This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode number 62. Are you in touch with your feelings? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. We're glad you could join us for episode number 62. Are you in touch with your feelings? And we've got a, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. We've got, uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Pastor Steve joining us. Pastor Steve, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How's the music? It's too loud and too soft? What, what, what's uh, your it's, pleasure? It's good right now. It's, it's right? good. Okay. And uh, Matthew? I'm doing good. It's at the end that you try and block us off. It's uh, like when we, you know, you, they receive rewards at the end, uh, uh, and uh, they're trying to make a speech, and then you just try and drown them out. That's mm-hmm. what you do to us at the end. Yes. <laughs> I've done that for you. Yes, that's true. Steve told me to, though. That's why I did that. <laughs> I would not doubt that. Pastor Strobel would be pleased. Pastor Strobel is on assignment. Yes. Somewhere. We don't know where. <laughs> Do you know where he's at? Nope. I'm sure he's on assignment. He is. Doing something important. And we'll find out where he was last uh, uh, for this episode uh, when we reconvene next time, Lord willing. But you should fade that music up. But for some reason, because we haven't done the show in months, kind of forgot how to do it. But tonight, we're all about feelings. Yes. Steve, what have you been doing? Uh, it's been a crazy year. Uh, you know, I know we've done some shows and stuff like that since the beginning of the year, but it's just been a, a crazy year. My dad passed away in February. My wife's dad passed away uh, probably about a month ago, but traveling back and forth to my folks, to uh, her folks, and funerals and memorials and it's just been uh, really quite hectic and and you know through it all uh, God's given a peace and a grace and a mercy mm-hmm. um, you know it, the Bible does say in everything give thanks for this is the will of God and uh, we are uh, thankful for our, our fathers and and what they've been to us what they've meant to us and uh, uh, over the weekend, had a chance to get with family and had them all here at the house, and uh, it was quite an experience and had a good time and uh, ate well and played well and and uh, bantered well, so had a good time doing that. Uh, in the process, and this is the first for that's in the Bible, in the process of starting a church in South Buffalo. Wow. So uh, getting uh, all the all the things going with that and, and uh, all the details. We're hoping, by the grace of God, uh, to have this uh, started and have our first service by the end of uh, June. So that's what what we're shooting for, whether the Lord will grant us the, uh, uh, the ability to do that or not. I don't know, but that's what we're shooting for. <laughs> Here in the next week or so, I got to move. I do a lot of moving. We sold my dad's house and... Uh, I gotta go back to Indiana and and move some things, and it's just just been hectic. So, uh, 
just praise God, uh, I'm still alive and still kicking and and uh, trying to serve the Lord in the midst of all of it. So praise Amen. God. Where where are you at on the building, or where are you going to have? Well, uh, we. <laughs> this is going to be strange, but we there's an existing church there uh, that has um, uh, agreed to allow us to rent time and space from them. They used to have uh, uh, a congregation of about 300. They're down to about 20 right now. And uh, it's a, a church right there on the corner of McCamley and Dash. Uh, the, like I, I don't know if I mentioned, but the church is 128 years old, and uh, they're uh, they're looking to add a little life, and so we're going to be uh, conducting services. Uh, not obviously the same time they're conducting theirs, but we're going to be sharing the facility. So, hmm. kind of excited about that. Amen. Amen. Matthew, I've been busy. Um we're trying to do a bunch of things here. We're trying to sell one of our vehicles. And if anybody's tried to sell something like a vehicle on um, Craigslist, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> and uh, you get some uh, some weird people coming and calling you and coming over looking at your vehicle. And you never know who you're going to get. And uh, we had a couple uh, guys come all the way from New York City. And uh, they came and it was pretty amazing. You know, he asked me a couple questions on the phone and then they come and, uh, and he sees just a little speck of paint that, uh, looks like it was maybe added on. Like you might've took just a little tiny fine brush and, um, you know, and just, just dabbed it on just a tiny bit. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't buy it. Cause it's got that little that <laughs> dab of paint there. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> you drove five hours and that's going to stop you from buying a vehicle, you know? And, uh, wow. And yeah, so I mean, he said he was going to call me back, um, you know, and let me know. Cause, uh, I guess that he was buying it for his daddy. He said, he's like, we're going to ship it overseas. And I said, Oh really? Where, where overseas? And He's like, oh, Libya. <laughs> and uh, he's like, you might have seen Libya in the news about a year ago. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely have. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it was definitely a weird situation. Um, I gave him a couple of gospel tracks, and, um, you know, they were kind of laughing at me when I gave it to them. And I said, listen, you know, this is, uh, this is when they were, uh, you know, we shook hands, and, and they were about to get in their vehicle. And I, uh, um, another gentleman that I had, um, they were looking at the vehicles. I didn't give them a gospel track, and I hadn't seen them uh, after that. And I just I kept on telling my wife, I kept on saying, you know, I just feel guilty that I ha- I never witnessed to them. You know, I'll never see them probably again. And uh, and then these guys here, I, I didn't care. You know, I believe God, of course, is going to take care of us, and he's going to um, bring the person along that's going to buy my vehicle. And uh, so I gave them a couple gospel tracks. I don't care if it's going to scare them away or what, but... I don't know if it was the gospel tracks that scared them away or if they just didn't want the vehicle or what, but um, praise the Lord, hopefully they'll get saved from that. And um, and also, uh, we're trying to get a house as well, so we're looking uh, to get a little bit closer to church. So church is about a 45-minute drive for us uh, from Syracuse, and so we're going to try and get maybe 10, 15 minutes closer, and uh, so we're looking at that. And uh, it's just been been busy doing those kinds of things, and uh, but... Uh, just uh, just hoping that all gets done and taken care of, and we can kind of settle down a little bit. But but the Lord's been good, really good. Amen. Amen. I think we're ready, Steve. All right. And uh, let me see. I hit this button, and we're away. We go. All 
I appreciate the opportunity to be able to, to do a Bible study. Tonight, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, obviously, from the title, it's uh, hopefully created some interest in, uh, in uh, at least listening to what we're going to be talking about. Uh, for those of you that uh, are familiar with our show and have listened to uh, a number of the podcasts, uh, this might be somewhat reminiscent of some of our things that we've done as far as um, uh, quote of the day, but it's a little bit longer, and uh, I think it uh, deserves more time than what we normally do for the quote of the day. So what I want to do is I want to I want to pray first, and then I want to read some scriptures as a as a uh, introduction, and then I'm going to read an article. And uh, then we'll go from there and make some, some observations. And then uh, we're going to uh, bring in uh, everybody else to make comment on, uh, on the article and, and the, the subject at hand. So uh, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we're thankful again for the day, for your blessings. We're thankful, Lord, for your kindness and your gentleness towards us. Uh, Father, we're sinful beings, and uh, Lord, we uh, disappoint you all the time. And uh, for that, Lord God, uh, I want to apologize for the things that I've done and uh, that's uh, grieved you and grieved your spirit. Father, we're thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Lord, thank you that uh, our salvation is set not because of what we've done or what we do, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so, Lord, uh, pray that uh, uh, all those, Lord, that may be listening to us for the very first time and uh, are interested in this particular subject might understand that salvation is a gift from Thee. And, Lord, we couldn't possibly work for it. And, Lord, pray that uh, this might cause an interest, uh, that they might search out how they might know for sure they're going to heaven when they die. Uh, Father, I pray that You bless the study this evening. Pray, God, that uh, it might bring you glory and it might bring you honor. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Uh, these scriptures are uh, not unfamiliar to you. They should be very familiar. And, uh, but I, I want to read them as an introduction to what we're going to be studying tonight, only because I want you to understand where our authority comes from. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him, with whom we have to do. And of course, that's a reference to the scripture. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be, uh, may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, I say that as a premise, uh, keeping that in mind, uh, we're going to move to, a, to an article I saw in the uh, Buffalo News uh, today, the, uh, the 31st of May, 2012. Um, it is written by a fellow by the name of John Roseman, 
I don't know if uh, others are familiar with him, but, but he is a, a conservative uh, psychologist, or psychiatrist, excuse me, that um, uh, writes for the paper in, in, in parenting. Uh, that's pretty much his, uh, his uh, thing there, the subject that he uh, covers in the uh, syndicated article that he has. John Roseman uh, received a master's degree in community psychology in 1971. He's been a family psychologist since the early 70s, and he's been the syndicated uh, column uh, on parenting since the mid-1970s. What I want to do is I want to read this article. The title of it is Not All Research is Equal, and the subtitle it is difficult, at best, for parents to be objective. Now, when I read this, I want you to read it with this in mind, that there is an underlying uh, um, tone, if you will, that lends itself to the Word of God and to people that you and I deal with on a daily basis. Here's the article. Says how they raise their children is a touchy subject for lots of parents. When I was growing up, it was said that one should not engage in discussions of religion and politics. These days, engaging in conversation concerning how someone raises their children is just as likely to end the relationship as a discussion of uh, as a discussion of religion and politics. Briefly. The further problem is that anti-intellectualism is in, is in the air. In The Iron Lady, the aged Margaret Thatcher, as portrayed by Meryl Streep, becomes quite agitated when her physician asks her how she's feeling. She reprimands him, noting that it is a person's thoughts, not their feelings, that truly count that truly reflect the character of a person. Indeed, feelings are functional only when they are under intellectual control. When the opposite is the case, when feelings rule uh, thought processes, irrational thinking and behavior are the inevitable outcome. Furthermore, when feelings rule, facts become irrelevant. Examples abound of widely held beliefs that have little, if any, basis in fact. To the believers in, uh, in question, that makes no difference. Uh, that makes no difference. The feel, and that's enough for them. They feel, and that's enough for them. That's how that word goes. I recently came across a study showing that when adults praise uh, ability, performance actually worsens. Praising effort, on uh, the other hand, raises performance over time. This is a, a difference between telling a child he's really good at math and telling the child you're proud of how much effort he put forth studying for the math test, irrespective of his grade. Over time, the former child's math grades are likely to go down while the latter child's go up. Apparently, uh, ability-based praise causes the former child to believe he is entitled to good grades in math. 
no matter his effort. So he does less and less. This finding just goes to show that regardless of context, entitlement is corrosive. It does not bring out the best in people and may in fact bring out the worst, including increasing demands for more entitlements. The interesting thing about the research in question is that when the researchers inform parents who tend in general to believe praising ability is good, of her results, the the majority dismissed it, became defensive, or flat out told her they didn't care. They were going to keep right on telling their, uh, their kids how wonderful they are. That's irrational. That's, pri- that's a prime example of the axiom that when a person thinks, uh, when a person thinks with his feelings, he does not think well. Here we have parents for whom facts are irrelevant. They won't even consider them. They think that they, and only they, know what's best for their children not some academic. That's not true, of course. It is difficult at best for parents to be objective. The purpose of research-based information is to help them make better decisions. Granted, not all research is equal. Some is garbage, but this particular study was not. Why didn't the study results a study study's results cause parents to consider their praise policies because giving praise made them feel good and receiving praise made their children feel good. As the refrain of the popular 70s tune put it, feelings, nothing more than feelings, they rule the day. For more than 40 years, parents and schools have put more emphasis on children's feelings, i.e. making them feel good about themselves, than their thoughts. This is why so many of them have such difficulty thinking straight, choosing responsibility over irresponsibility, delaying gratification, holding back the wild horses of their impulses. It's, it's bad enough when children operate on the basis of feelings. It's potentially catastrophic when their parents do as well. Now, that's the, the, the end of the article. And I want you to understand that, that uh, you know, I understand that that's not the Bible. But I think there are a lot of parallels that can be gathered from that and garnered from that in the fact that, let's put it this way, the, the, the study the study results and so forth that they got, if you put the Word of God as in, in place of those studies, uh, you've got the same kind of atmosphere or same kind of responses taking place with people that you and I deal with on a daily basis. For example, let me see here, um, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. That's an, an emotional response. That's not a response based on fact. It's a response based on feeling. 
Because the Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell. Irrespective of what they think, the Bible is true and their feelings are wrong. The Bible says this, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And again, he repeats that again in chapter 16 of Proverbs. Uh, and, and so what you, what you have to understand is just because it feels right to you doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. But you know, people continue to feel or, or believe these things because it makes them feel good. And that's what that study was, was talking about. Now, obviously, it was dealing with parents and children and, and trying to teach them the proper way to give praise instead of it being on ability, but on the effort that's put in, the thought process put in, regardless of the grade. Obviously, that's how it, how it works and how it makes it better uh, to, to trust your thoughts and uh, your effort as opposed to your feelings and your ability. So there are other things. Uh, for example, uh, my good works are good enough to get me to heaven. Well, that's a feeling. That may be something that they heard somewhere, and they're repeating it, and it sounded good to them, so they have adopted it. But that has nothing to do with fact. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing, regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. It has nothing to do with our feelings. Um, here's another one. Uh, we are all going to the same place. Whether you're Jew or whether you're a Muslim or whether you're a Hindu, you know, we're all climbing the same mountain. We're all going to the same place. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. That's the truth of the scripture, irrespective of feeling. Irrespective of feeling. Uh, you know, there's so many examples, and I don't want to take all of them that the other guys might be able to contribute here. But l let me give you just maybe one, one more here. Uh, I run into people, and, and uh, God bless them. You know, uh, many of them, are, if, if not most of them, are saved, uh, but they're just messed up on their doctrine. And uh, uh, they'll say that the gifts and the signs are for today irrespective of the fact that the Bible says that the Jews seek after a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, the Gentiles seek after wisdom. The Jews were the ones that received the signs. Those signs faded out as God stopped dealing with the Jews. When he starts dealing with the Jews, those signs are going to return. Uh, it talks about the, fu the fact that tongues are for a sign. Not for them that believe... <laughs> But for them that believe not, it was a soul-winning tool for the Jews to reach the lost so that they could speak another tongue that they did not know and reach somebody of a different culture and a different language. That's what it was all about. 
But yet you have people today, because they feel good, because it feels right to them, here they're, they're going off and believing something, and you can't change their mind no matter what. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. They've got their one or two verses that they're going to hold on to. They haven't studied to show or to rightly divide the word of truth. And so what they do is they hang on to that thing and they'll believe false doctrine. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You know, the modern trend today and, and you see it everywhere, and the churches are going to it everywhere. They don't want hard negative preaching. They don't want hard negative preaching. But yet, what you, that verse that I just read to you, it's profitable for doctrine. Well, doctrine divides. For reproof, that's negative. For correction, that's negative. For instruction and in righteousness, and if you're not doing the right thing, that's negative too. The preaching of the word of God is preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Now, those things are negative, yet people want to hear positive things because they want to feel good about themselves. They don't want to come out of church feeling bad or I'm, I'm dirty or I'm sinful or I'm wicked. Well, that's what preaching is for. It's to correct you. It's to show you where you're wrong. It's to get you to do right. It's for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to show you that you're not right with God. Yet people today want to be tickled. They want their, their ears tickled and, and say smooth things and right things and, and so forth so that they can feel better about themselves. The whole thing is twisted. The whole thing is mixed up, and it's the spirit of the age that is causing this whole thing to be turned upside down. Positive thinking, all of that stuff. It is just absolutely wicked, and from the gates of hell, to have this kind of thing take precedent, this feelings taking precedent over the facts and truth of Scripture. So, guys, you know, there's a lot of things I suppose I could keep going, but, but I, what I'd like to do is just open it up and uh, let you guys come in, and, and I'm sure you've probably got a lot of things uh, that you could probably add to this. And that, so feel free. Jump in. Mm-hmm. Matt, you want to go first? Sure. I've got a whole bunch of stuff. I'll try not to take too much time. I'll do some and then let you guys go. But okay. Yeah, it was good. I mean, that's it's it's true. This guy, you know, was talking about um, you know doing this research and academics and things like that, and saying that um, these kids grow up and they're more about uh, their feelings than um, you know the hard facts. And it's true, you know, like uh, Brother Steve just said, when we go out there and we witness to people, um, the number one answer that I get from people when I try and hand them a gospel track, they say, "No, I'm all right. I'm okay." And uh, you try and give them scripture, and they say, you know what, I just, I just feel that I'm okay, I'm going to do, you know, do all right, and the Lord's going to be merciful, and he's going to be okay, and he's going to be, um, just forgive me for all my sins, you know, and, and uh, you know, you ask them, you say, well, how do you know that? How do you know that for sure? Well, I just think, I just feel. And that's, what, that's the two words that you hear the most, is I just think or I just feel. 
and uh, they go by their feelings, and, and that's how they've been brought up. And uh, you see that many lost people, they feel like they're okay. They feel like they're saved. Um, but the problem is, is, is just like uh, Brother Steve said, uh, it's very deceitful, and your heart's very deceitful. You know, yes. you can think that uh, you're going to be okay uh, because your heart says it. Well, of course, Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, mm. and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You, you know, most of these people, their heart's saying to them, you don't listen to this preacher. You, you, you're okay. You, you're going. You're going the right way. And uh, and of course, we've already said there's a way that seemeth right into a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Right. And uh, you know, you've got. Um, I, you know, I've got. I, I get hounded on this all the time, even at work, about uh, the homosexual movement. And uh, you know, they say, well, you know what? It just feels right. You know, I was born with this feeling. And uh, <clears throat> you know what? That that is a that is an actual feeling. Uh, if you go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 26 through 27, it talks about um, men with men, women with with women. And you know what it says? It says vile affections. And mm. uh, they definitely have affections, but you know what they are? They're not good affections. They're vile affections. Yeah. And that's what we have a lot here today in this world is people saying, you know what, I'm in love. And uh, they don't even know what love is. Mm. And, uh, you know, before I got saved, I didn't know what love was. But, you know, they feel that they have that love. They say, you know what, you have to have that feeling. You have to have that feeling of love. It's this, you know, fluttery feeling that you get. Well, when you go to John chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Love is an action. Love is actually showing uh, that, you, that you care for somebody in action. Mm-hmm. You know, God the Father sent his Son, Jesus Christ, and he showed his love towards us by sending his son to die on that cross. 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so many people say, well, you know what, I just feel like that person is the right one for me. Well, why? You know, well, he says all these great things to me. <laughs> he makes me feel so good. Okay, you know, we've got people like that in church that have uh, gone the wrong way, gone to actually uh, date uh, lost people. And you know what they say? Well, it just feels it feels right, you know. And uh, they don't go by what the Bible says. They don't go by what uh, the Word of God says. They go by more what they say rather than what their actions are. And uh, one other thing here that I have also is you have to understand that a lot of saved people will feel lost. Um, I don't know anybody else, but uh, if you've been saved for any length of time, you start feeling like you're lost. <laughs> mm. there, there's sometimes when you just, your lifestyle, your conversation, as the Bible says, um, is just not according to the Word of God and not doing right, you're not living right. And uh, Brother Steve, uh, uh, you know, uh, your son Jason says all the time, uh, and it's true, he says all the time, he says, you know, the most miserable people, most miserable people in the world are saved Christians that aren't living right. Right. <laughs> and it's true. And I mean, you might even talk to them and they say, you know what? I tried all that. You know, I got saved and everything supposedly. But, you know, and, and you see they're living in the world and they're not doing right. And they're the most miserable people in the world. They really are. You know, the most people that we get yelling at us and screaming at us a lot, telling us to stop street preaching and hand out gospel tracts is saved people yep. that have a testimony of being saved. But you know what? They're in the world. They've either got a beer in their hand or whatever. And this is the thing. If you go to First John chapter 3, in verse 19, the Bible says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth. Here's how you know that you're saved. 
Um, and if you go up to verses 17, 18, uh, back up through there, it talks about things that you should do in the Lord, uh, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And it says in verse 19, And hereby we know that we are of the uh, truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So those things before verse 19 talks about how you can be assured, um, have that feeling that you're saved, you know, not by just our feelings of our heart and our conscience and all that, but by what the Word of God says and by doing it. And verse 20 says, For if our heart, those that are saved, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. And you know what John's saying here? He's saying that even if uh, you you go into the world and you live wicked and ungodly, e- even not that, I mean, even if you're a Christian and you're trying to do good, but some days you just feel like you're lost. It says right here, if our heart condemn us, if we feel like we're lost, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. And, you know, there's another verse that talks about um, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You know, if there comes a point in your life where you say, you know what, I don't believe I'm saved anymore. I just don't feel that God could uh, keep me saved, even though the Bible says he can. Uh, the Bible says that uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, God, God cannot... Um, uh, what was that verse? God cannot um, uh, reject himself talking about that you are the body of Christ. You know, if you are saved, you've accepted Christ, he would have to rip off part of his flesh, part of his bones, uh, and cast it into hell, and he'll never do that. Mm. So, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. A lot of good stuff there. And then the other thing, Matt, you were kind of talking about... Uh, one of the things he's talking about here at, uh, towards the end of the article, it says, uh, this is why so many of them have such difficulty thinking straight because they've been programmed f- for feeling. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they, they're choosing, instead of choosing responsibility, they choose irresponsibility. Instead of delaying gratifications, they're going for whatever they whatever they feel like. So, uh, sex before marriage is okay because it feels good, because it feels right. Um, you know, holding back the wild horses and and uh, of their impulses. Uh, you know, when when thought kicks in and says, "Well, the truth of the scripture says I shouldn't do this," the feelings. You know, your feelings are going to betray you. <laughs> uh, you know, you're going to feel like you want to have premarital sex when the Bible says you shouldn't. And your feelings are going to say, well, it's okay. Uh, everybody else is doing it. You know, and, and the whole rationale that, that people go through. And you have to tell yourself, no, because it's the right thing to do. And when somebody is is based their whole existence on how they feel, they will <laughs> chase the wild horses and, and not uh, exercise restraint. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, I guess I thought of as well while you guys were talking uh, is this. <laughs> the method of evangelism is changing with the evolving culture. <laughs> you know, it feels like you know, going out and street preaching, going out door to door, going out and personally witnessing the people and confronting people with the gospel is wrong because of the way culture is today. But that's not the admonition of Scripture. The admonition of Scripture is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's taking the gospel out to them who otherwise are not going to come into church 
who otherwise are just going to ignore anything that that is spiritual. Uh, you know, so it's incumbent upon Christians to take it out irrespective of the culture. You take a look at the cultures that have passed through. I mean, it all comes in ebbs and flows, if you will. I mean, uh, the the Renaissance period, you know, was was trying to tell us God was dead and and that uh, you basically live the Epicurean lifestyle, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Who cares what we do? Let's go out and live and party and so forth. Well, that's what we're experiencing today. And yet the preachers back then preached on the streets and dealt with people and so forth. Uh, you know, the the lasciviousness and, and all the other things that uh, concupiscence and all the other things that Paul talks about were alive and well in Paul's day as, as they are today. The culture really hasn't changed all that much. The tolerance of people, the majority of people uh, for the gospel is, is pretty much the same. Uh, it may be a little bit worse today, I don't know, but that ebbs and flows. Uh, depending on the on how harshly the Lord judges a nation, uh, so uh, the admonition from Scripture is to go into the world and preach the gospel. That means to speak it, Amen. <laughs> to tell people. Amen. And so you know, we we get caught up in trying to uh, interpret how people are going to receive what we say. What so they're they're interpreting people's feelings irrespective of what the word of god says and so i I find that's that's a mistake that's being made uh in 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 our churches today and more and more churches are accepting that kind of philosophy for evangelism amen Stephen. you know the point you made about uh and i think it's true i think some people think that well things are worse today i mean not like bible times where you can go around and preach the word but if you preach here you know they don't want to hear it or they might yell at you and i'm just reading through acts again and and uh <laughs> yeah boy you 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 said something they didn't like then and they could stone you like steven yeah. you know so you can't tell me things are tougher today than what they had you know, we, at least in america it's it's you're probably not under the threat of being stoned to death because they didn't like what you had to say or being crucified come on Amen. That that goes along with Jeremiah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, uh, Jeremiah. This is what Jesus. Uh, this is what God told Jeremiah. He says in Jeremiah chapter seven, verse twenty-seven. He says, "Therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee." That sounds like today. Yeah. Thou shalt mm-hmm. also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. And verse twenty-eight says, "But thou shalt say unto them." So he's like, "They're not going to listen to you. They're not going to answer you. But you know what? You're going to say it to them anyway." He says, "This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord." their God, nor receiveth correction, truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. And that's a huge reason why most Christians don't uh, preach the Bible. They don't get out there street preach or hand out gospel tracts, tell people they're going to hell because of their sins is because, you know, it's a reproach. And, uh, you know, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. And if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, it's not just living a good lifestyle. It's also uh, going out there and preaching. Uh, as the Bible says, it says right here that uh, you got this beautiful promise right here. You shall suffer persecution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody talks about those beautiful promises of the Bible. You know, I get the book of Proverbs of promises. And you know what? This is a promise right here. 
that we're going to suffer persecution for living for God and preaching the gospel. And uh, like you said to Jeremiah here, you know what happened with Jeremiah? In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7, uh, he says, Everyone mocketh me. And then in verse 8, The word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how many times that I go out there on the street, and uh, even sometimes before I go, I get I get beat down, and I say, you know what, Lord, I don't want to go out there and be mocked. I don't. It doesn't feel good. I don't want to go out there and be a derision daily. You know that doesn't feel good. But in verse nine, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shot in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. <laughs> You know, uh, Jeremiah said, you know what? It's not the feelings that wants to come out. It's the words of God. It says right mm-hmm. here that the word was in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't just the feelings that was coming out. It was the word of God. It's all about the word of God. You know, it's mm-hmm. not about the feelings. It's about the word of God coming out, not our feelings. Amen. And I think uh, I'll just add one more thing. I, I think a good example of this is with Jacob and, e- Jacob and Esau. And, oh, um, yeah. you know... Um, You've got Jacob, and he wants to steal, of course, um, the blessing from from Esau. And uh, so what he does is uh, he goes out, and uh, of course his mother, Rebecca, loves Jacob more. And he says, you know what I want you to do is uh, go in and just take this uh, sheep here, give him venison, and tell him that you're Esau. Tell him that you're you're his son Esau. But, you know, Jacob says, well, wait a minute, though, but he's a very hairy man. You know, what am I going to do? And so she says, well, here, take some sheepskin. We'll put it on your uh, hand or arm here and put it on the back of your neck. And when he uh, feels you, he'll 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 think it's uh, Esau. And the reason why is because he was pretty much practically blind. He couldn't see. And uh, so, of course, you know, Jacob comes to Isaac and his father. And, um, and you know, what Isaac said was, you know what, you sound like my son Jacob, but you feel like Esau. And that's in Genesis chapter 27, verse 22. The final result is, it says, And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And we know the end of that story is uh, that Isaac um, blesses Jacob instead of his oldest son, Esau. And the whole reason why is because he didn't go by the voice, he went by the feeling, feeling mm-hmm. the touch. And that's what most people do today is they'll go by their feelings rather than the voice of God. Rather mm-hmm. than the voice of the scriptures, they'll go by their feelings and say, you know what, this feels right, even though scripture tells me something else. Right. Amen. And God's, Amen. God's committed to, un, to us the word of reconciliation, right? We're ambassadors for Christ. You, yeah. you can't be an ambassador and, and uh, talk about, uh, you know, preaching the, the, uh, the word of reconciliation, if you never open your mouth, never right. say a word, you'd be a poor ambassador. Well, it says, it says in Hebrews, it says, Let us therefore go uh, unto him without the camp, yep. bearing his reproach. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Amen. Well, it's a good message. It's a good, good lesson. Amen. Well, thanks for the help. That was, uh, that was a blessing to hear everybody's contribution. Something, amen. something I think for all for us all to uh, be reminded of too, you know, yeah, amen. and to think about. All right, well, this is the time. Uh, this is the part where I draw man out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna just keep quiet so the the music doesn't go up. That's great. That's, that- <laughs> <laughs> Steve's all for that. <laughs> I have, I haven't uh, hammered on Mar- uh, Matt for a long time here. Yeah, hey, you haven't. 
been trying to be good. It only goes so far. <laughs> yeah. The truth comes out eventually. The true side. <laughs> Amen. Well, pray that we'll have uh, Pastor Strobel with us back, uh, back again for next time, and we'll be able to do this again sooner than what we've been been able to do here. And uh, the Lord willing, we'll get back together real soon. Bye. Bye. Shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Going where, going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Heavenward bound. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at that'sinthebible.com or email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.